Hello and welcome to Pod Rocket. Today I'm here with Christopher Burns, who's a returning guest on Pod Rocket. So super excited to have him back on the podcast. Um, Christopher is the co-host of the SF, uh, the FS Jam podcast, and he's also the CEO of Everfund. How are you, Chris? Thank you for having me on. Um, just before Christmas, before we all split up and disappear, uh, no matter where you are. Um, we all are in that hectic rush right now of trying to prepare everything for Christmas and making sure nothing sets on fire while you disappear for a week. Certainly know that feeling. So really glad you made some time out of your schedule to uh, come and talk to us. So today, um, be great to to learn a bit about Everfund. So could you give me an intro to what you're building? Yeah. So Everfund is ultimately making donations and nonprofits easier. Um, we're basically a plug and play donation solution, um, allowing you to completely bypass Stripe and all them other things that come with it and just quickly implement Everfund's plug and play features. And yeah, it just works. Got it. So, I mean, typically if I were building a website or any kind of digital product that needed to accept money, I would think Stripe first and, um, you know, no affiliation with Stripe, but I think we all kind of know they have a great product. And um, I, I guess I would typically think Stripe is pretty easy to integrate. So how does Everfund improve upon the experience of using Stripe to collect payments? Yeah, of course. Um, I'm not going to come on here and say Stripe is not a great product. We use Stripe internally. And actually, it's actually the backbone of Everfund. We use Stripe Connect Custom. So we are built on top of that. And when you think of Stripe, you know, you think of the other big companies that use it, like Shopify, um, like Uber, you don't think of, you know, you don't think of Stripe, you think of, okay, so that's e-commerce, they're built on top. Yes, Stripe handles the payment, but all that nuance that comes with e-commerce or booking a taxi, that's all handled by the, them said companies. So what Everfund is, is we've targeted the market at specifically nonprofit donations. Um, it's a really underserved area. And what we've seen over um, the period of creating the company is that we tend to get an agency that gets hired. Um, so we get a, a front end developer or an agency hired by a nonprofit to go build a website. So they go, great, I need to go build a website. And then say, oh, uh, by the way, it needs to have a way for supporters to donate to our charity, you know, because we're a nonprofit. Um, so then they go, okay, so that really simple website, you know, normally a WordPress website, and if they're advanced these days, it's a Gatsby website or a Next website, um, has now, you know, turned into this bigger thing because it now involves moving parts, such as a payment. And then when we look at the payment side, you go, okay, as a developer, you'll, you know, you'll think in your head and you go, payments equals Stripe. Really, really easy. And you think, great, Stripe's going to get me 100% of the way there. And actually, while it does, there's a lot of nuances. And what I like to say is a hidden dip, as in there's, a, there's so much more than just the payment that comes to a donation, especially if you're in countries like the UK. Uh, where you've got GDPR to worry about, some marketing preferences. You then also have uh, gift aid, that's a tax scheme. So the charity can claim 25% more, verifying the address. All these things that the developer could go first, first shot, 
I'm going to implement Stripe. But then these are all the other things that they've got to worry about on top of that to the point is that then they're running a whole microservice that is a database, an API, uh, address verifier, um, you know, all these things. And what the charity wanted in the day was a website that was cheap and easy to maintain. Building a whole microservice for a donation system, obviously, we've done it. Um, and it takes a lot of time and a lot of nuances. So what we've been doing is lowering that barrier to entry so the, the front-end developer can just focus on what they're used to, HTML, CSS, you know, React if they want to go that far, and then quickly, easily implement Everfund, a, a literal plug-and-play solution, four lines of code, um, and that's it. When, when that button gets clicked or that event handler gets um, triggered, it will pop up a, a model and we'll handle the complete donation process and then tell you what, and then tell the uh, developer when it's done. And then they can carry on doing whatever they need to do. You never leave the website. You do not risk anything. It's always up to date. And it's that to a front end developer who obviously um, is not skilled in payments and all these other things to think about. It really removes the risk, the barrier to entry. And actually, the knowledge of knowing that what they've implemented will be continually supported no matter what changes in terms of uh, payment regulations, because that's another thing that completely changes uh, year on year, country by country. Got it. So basically, there's there's all these complications on top of just the actual collection of payments that are specific to the nonprofit space. And you abstract all that away and make it super easy yeah. for nonprofits to just collect payments and, uh, you know, exactly ha handle kind of all the other data collection and compliance and, and whatnot. Exactly. And when we look at these uh, nonprofits, um, in terms of like categories, uh, in the latest Jamstack report, um, nonprofits were the eight, eighth biggest category with a 9% sharehold. So there's a lot of nonprofit websites being built in the Jamstack area. And especially what's important about the Jamstack is you have no services, you have no backend. So you need to just off offload it to somebody else uh, to handle for you. And and the biggest thing, um, like I said, is, is that knowledge transfer has been massively reduced where the developer, instead of thinking, Adding the donation system is going to take weeks. It now takes minutes because, you know, it's done for them. Integrate, and then they just hand it off to the charity to start dealing with the rest of time. Are the complications associated with collecting payments in a nonprofit different in different countries? I imagine like with taxes and uh, just nonprofit status and those things, does that change around the world? And do you, do you support nonprofits in different regions or how are you kind of thinking about that? Yeah. So currently uh, we're almost at uh, post MVP. We're at the <laughs> end of our MVP. And while we've been building our MVP, we have been um, UK only uh, because that's where we're based. And that's where we have a lot of knowledge with uh, nonprofits. As we come to next year, early next year, we'll be introducing a complete rollout of multi multi country support onto the platform. So obviously that's American charities, that's Canadian charities, uh, 
Irish charities for us. Um, and with that, we'll be handling all the nuances that comes with that. So that is obviously verifying the charities. Um, and, and the biggest thing is not just single payments. Uh, we're so used to a single payment, but what about recurring payments? A lot of countries have different models of recurring payments. In the UK, we have something called BACS uh, direct debits. Uh, when in America, it's just standard um, transfers, I think it is, or I forgot the actual word. Uh, but it's about doing all them nuances for each country, making sure that um, every country that's supported is a gold standard and not losing any features. Um, and also making sure if there's tax schemes available, that they are um, implemented so the donors and the charities can gain more money. Um, because at the end of the day, one of the biggest things about Everfund is that we're trying to reduce the cost to the charity. So let them focus on the fundraising, because we all know building websites is a very expensive endeavor for so many businesses. And especially when you think of how much time it takes to build, uh, to build donation systems, add that developer time on, um, you know, 50 hours at $50 an hour, that's, um, $5,000 um, that instantly can be moved to something else. So it's really focusing on what they're good at, what we can handle for them, and really move it forward. So curious to learn a bit more about the tech stack that Powers Ever Fund. Um, you mentioned Stripe is one of the core pieces of infrastructure. Um, what other um, you know technologies are you leveraging, and maybe take me through some of the decision making that went into why you chose each layer of the stack? Yeah, of course. Um, so it's first it's first best to talk about where Everfund came from to understand where the technology is today, uh, because it's always it's been an evolution. Um, me and my co-founder, we graduated um, university in the UK four years ago now, and we started a company. It was actually a loyalty uh, app, uh, React Native. We built it all, um, and we actually never released it. We pivoted to NFC technology. And while we was working on NFC technology, we came across um, the biggest nonprofit in our area that needed help in this area. So we started helping them with NFC technology. And that's when we then moved into NFC payments. So taking QR code and NFC payments before the, the pandemic even happened and everyone learned how to actually use a QR code. Um, so over that time, we have we moved from building this one-off bespoke payment solution uh, through QR code and NFC to a more broad platform that can be implemented for a URL or a website or a QR code or an NFC tag or a tweet. Um, so how did we get here from there um, was one very ugly rebuild of the entire platform and two, uh, betting on the right technology uh, when it came time to rebuild the sinking ship. Uh, when it was time to rebuild the sinking ship, um, it was time to pick Redwood JS. Um, we have been a very early adopter on Redwood JS and saw it from 0.8 to RC1.4 um, now, I think it is. Um, and it's really helped keep up uh, momentum on the platform um, all the way through. We also used your standard technologies like Next.js and GraphQL, TypeScript, um, styled components uh, previously, Tailwind, all your typical 
blazing, bleeding edge tech stack that we all love these days. So you mentioned you you rebuilt uh, the platform. Could, could you tell me a bit about like what what led to that decision to do a rebuild and and how you chose going into the rebuild, how you kind of made different decisions than the first time around based on your learnings? Yeah, of course. So as a first time founder, and I would say now looking back, still quite youthful in the industry, I've been programming JavaScript since, you know, 15 or so, uh, building an actual full stack application. This was my first whole go around. Um, and everybody obviously says, I use these tools. So when we built that MVP, like I said, for that original charity, uh, we used Gatsby 2. We used Happy on the, the back end, uh, Prisma 1 and MongoDB. And we kind of just glued it all together ourselves. And that was like two different uh Gatsby applications, one to run our checkout logic and one to run our dashboard. And we glued this whole thing together. We got it out uh, and it worked. It was like, yay, you know, people are people are making money off of this. It's it's working. Donations are coming through. Um, and then it got to a point very, very fast where it's like, okay, we need to fully rethink something. And the whole system just kind of fell apart as fast as as fast as possible to a point where we begrudgingly say that um there was no choice but to rebuild as it, it's it's always always that uh, meme where there's two buttons and it's like rebuild the whole platform or just fix the bugs and it was this thing of like new technologies were coming out um this was at the time redwood was starting to be picked up um prisma one and i think the biggest force here was actually the uh, migration from Prisma 1 to Prisma 2. So Prisma 1 was obviously deprecated very fast as soon as Prisma 2 became widely available. Um, so we had to do a full migration over, but we had none of the tools available to move it over seamlessly. Um, so that's when obviously Redwood JS came about and they had these, um, you could say, talking points of like, fully maintainable into the future, uh, GraphQL support straight out the box, auth authorization support out the box. And all of these things that I was building myself, I saw in Redwood JS that they all had been handled together. And instead of me building the glue, the glue was already built. And, and the biggest thing that it came with was that it wasn't just me making all the decisions. A lot of the decisions about how things should be structured laid out, loading cells, uh, success cells have been done for me. So it took that position of, I know this is my first rodeo and I'm just kind of fumbling through it to, I'm sure what I've built is good enough, if that makes sense. It's it's secure enough. It's built good enough. It does what it needs to do and it will continue to do it into the future past adding more and more features. And we took a really early bet on Redwood JS, and that bet has came out successful uh, going into the 1.0. Our application still works. It's not broken. Um, the migrations have worked all the way through. So it's really, really successful that we rebuilt it in Redwood JS. And I think the biggest thing that we got burned by all of it was actually Gatsby 2, because the original platform was built off of Gatsby 2. And it went through this moment of, I would say, crisis where Next.js came out with a lot of features very fast that very much shined a light on how bad Gatsby 2 was at that moment. 
And I dealt with this problem in multiple situations on multiple sites that I was working on as we was an agency moving over. Um, and yeah, and so we rebuilt our checkout logic in Next.js. So our, our donation checkouts are all built on Next.js. And then our dashboard and our GraphQL API are built in Redwood. And the Redwood side connects with the Next.js side through GraphQL, meaning obviously it's an uh, open interface. And it has worked really, really well to this point with not many problems. So inherent, the rebuild, you could say, was a necessary tick as it did work. But yeah, I wish I never made the mistakes in the first phase, meaning that you had to rebuild it. But sometimes you, you can't see that far in front until you've passed that barrier. Yeah, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty, right? Like you... It's easy looking back to to see the mistakes you made, but it also sounds like you know the the first version you made progress. It helped you, you know. It's you know it was quick, it was easy, and so sometimes it's better to do something quick and make progress, and then once you know more, do the rebuild at that point. So exactly, we only rebuilt it once we knew that it was a viable uh, business and a viable product that we could expand to other charities. Because as you know. You don't want to spend all your time making a perfect product for nobody to use it, nobody to even be interested in using it. Um, and it's that hard balance of, I'll just add in another feature and then people will start using it and it'll be magical. And that thing of actually marketing it and spending a lot of time on them sales leads and all that other stuff. On that subject, curious, like how are you approaching user or customer acquisition um, how, are you, how are you kind of thinking about your early marketing and sales motions? Yeah, this is actually a really interesting uh, uh, thought because when we th when we see uh, nonprofits, they're not we we class them as in three categories. You've got your giant ones. No matter what country, you'll know them. Uh, you know, f like for example, Cancer UK is the most giantest one in the UK. As in, it does can cancer, Oxfam, you know, Bernardo's, these are UK charities, but, you know, uh, Boys and Girls Club, I think is a massive one in America, and, you know, all that other, all that ones. Um, and they have developers in house. They have teams of money to spend to make more money. So they're all handled. They probably just get their developers in house to do everything. Then you got your middle size that, you know, they're, they're decent enough. They're big enough. Uh, and they'll hire an agency. Um, so the agency will do whatever they want because they're paying. And then you have the actual small to medium, small to medium. And the small to medium are the ones that literally a volunteer has built them a WordPress website in their free time and is not going very well. Um, but at the end of the day, it gets the job done. When someone searches that charity's name on the internet, 99% of the time, the website comes up. So we, we've we looked at it from two ways, as in we can go directly straight to the charities, but if the charity already has a solution built in, no matter if they're happy or unhappy with it, um, it's normally a hard sale because, you know, why are they going to rip out something that works? They've already ticked the box. I can take a payment. No matter if it's the worst payment in the world, or the best payment in the world, to them, it takes a donation. Um, and then obviously you have this, the small to medium that they either have nothing 
or they use another third party service that doesn't do what they need. Uh, the biggest ones, for example, are uh, in the UK, Canada is called Just Giving. It's more of a fundraising type website where somebody will say, I'm going to run a marathon, uh, donate me money. And that's not really the right use case of a donation checkout. The donation checkout is a really specific thing to say, I want to support this charity. How do I get it done as fast as possible? So going to the donation checkout in two ways. One of them is going directly to the charity, like I was just saying, and basically saying, we're, we're going to take out the old one, implement this new one, fundraising goes up because now you have a uh, modern donation solution. Um, and then the second way that we're actually spending more time of Aflame is actually going directly to developers. Um, because at the end of the day, when we look at their middle-sized charities and even still the small ones with volunteers, um, you see that they've been given a task. I need to implement a donation solution. Um, as, as we conclude to in the beginning, a lot of them don't have that knowledge you know, they might know of Stripe, but actually implementing Stripe is, is still a big deal, even with all of its documentation. So going directly to developers at the beginning of a cycle, so it's a new website or an update to the website or a volunteer building a website and saying, look, we know you're going to need this. We're going to make it easy for you. And we're going to make it so simple that, you know, you can watch a YouTube video and understand how to implement it on WordPress. We spent a lot of time actually building a WordPress plugin of Everfund that is literally um, install it from WordPress and it just works. You put one line of code in your theme where you want the button to be clicked and it just works. That is massive to them people that don't have the money to take um, a developer on, even part-time or contractual, but they just need a way to take donations. And that's where we've, we're going bottoms up to a certain extent. A lot of uh, businesses in this area, as we say, if they have developers, they've already ticked the box and going, I'm going to Stripe straight off. I'm going to build all the nuances myself uh, because they will. They're big enough to. But the smaller ones and the medium-sized ones, that's where they really need the best of today's technologies. Uh, Jamstack, perfect example, like I said. Uh, most most websites are still built on WordPress for nonprofits when actually they will be better off using uh, a Jamstack technology will be cheaper and necessarily less to maintain, but getting the required knowledge is obviously a big thing. And how do you charge? Like, is it based on a percentage of of uh, spend to the platform, like Stripe, or is it a different model? Yeah, of course. So um, Stripe handles a payment um, transaction fee. So that's normally, depending on your country, about one point two percent um in the uk i think that is um so what we do is we believe the services we're providing the charity is slightly more than just the donation so we have a flat fee of um three percent on the actual donation um but we also have a feature that allows the supporter to transparently know how much it's going to cost to uh handle this donation and we allow the donator to cover that 97 percent of uh, donors actually cover that so the charity doesn't pay that fee but then we actually have a platform fee on um, the tools our donation links and our donation widgets only because we think we're going to be increasing um, value tenfold but 
like I say that we do have generous free tiers that, you know, no matter if the charity is small to large, they have, they, they can get going really, really cheaply and easily. And most of the time, hardly pay a penny. Got it. So when I go to donate to a charity that uses Everfund, does, and let's say I want to donate a hundred dollars, it tells me, oh, it's going to cost $3 in transaction fees. Do you want to donate $103 to cover that? Is that exactly, most exactly. People, 97% of people say yes to that? Exactly. So it actually works out to the charity only ever pays like 0.365% of transaction fees. So while there is, yes, a 3% transaction fee, uh, when we be transparent with the donors, they know that they're, they're giving money to help the charity by saying to them, look, did you know that not all that $100 will actually get to the charity? 95% of the time, uh, 97% of the time, donors just want to want to choose to cover the fee so we give that tool to help them um and and like you said it's very transparent where we'll say uh you pay 103 dollars 100 dollars will go to the charity uh three dollars will go to the processing fees thank you very much i'm curious to hear a bit about your future roadmap um you, know, you mentioned you're kind of ending i think you said you're kind of at the tail end of your mvp period Sounds like you, you know, have proven out that there is a, a viable product and market. So, what does the future look like for the product? And then we can talk about kind of the future for the business and, and growth of the company. Of course. Um, so, something that I've hardly spoken about um, is actually we currently have two products um, that, when we say we take donations, uh, it actually falls into two products. The first one is a no code solution that we call donation links. So obviously the URL mm. is a parameter. That's what you're going to share on Twitter, on Facebook. You generate it on the dashboard, you share to Facebook, donation system ready to go. And then we have our donation widget. That's this low code version. Uh, so obviously you put the code in the click handler and the donation can be taken from model. And actually when we've been speaking to developers and doing interviews, uh, we've actually found out while wow, the the donation uh, widget is great, ninety percent of the solution, but to that top, you know, five percent that really like it customized, we actually want to take it a step further. We actually want to make the headless donation checkout system. We're going to be building a version of our checkout that is completely headless, meaning that the end developer can have the full knowledge and function functionality of elephants donation systems will full custom ui and also allowing more nuances of the platform um because there's always nuances when it comes to charities sometimes you're donating to a specific um person or a remembrance or an event all these nuances we will be able to handle uh, better in this complete custom UI. So that's actually where we're going is we've tackled a no code, a low code, and next we're going to be tackling a headless code solution. And so that no code, is that like a hosted link where yeah. you just follow a link, you have a hosted page and you could donate and, the, it, and it's hosted on your infrastructure? Exactly. Yeah. So inside the dashboard, um, you basically sign up, the nonprofit signs up for Everfund, and then they see uh, a, a, a section called links. And they say, I'm going to generate a link. And we say, what are you going to do with that link? 
and we say, I'm going to put it on Twitter. So you're, you're already directing them to not use the same thing for everything. Um, so they say, okay, I'm going to put this donation link on Twitter for this campaign. I'm going to put this donation link on Facebook for this campaign. And then they'll instantly be able to see which link actually had made more money for them, giving them more insights into where to spend more money in terms of um, marketing budgets, in terms of advertising budgets. Um, that's actually the no-code solution. The no-code, low-code, they're, they're all interchangeable words. But when I say no-code, I mean, this is just a URL. Obviously, you can add in extra parameters to customize it. Um, but that's our no-code solution. Obviously, our low-code is like this, um, what we call the Everfund SDK. So it's a really simple script to basically have that no-code solution embedded into our model fully built. And I'm curious for the for the um, headless version, how did you kind of think about the different options there? Like I imagine one option is just like the ability to do a lot of customization of the UI of the low code. Like maybe you provide a React component and it's stylable and people can have customized look and feel. It sounds like you're, or correct me if I'm wrong, it sounds like you're doing more of an API approach where it's really like here I provide the APIs and it's up to developers to just build whatever they want on top of that. Um, so how did you kind of think about the, the different range of options in providing something that's extensible, but also um, easy to use and uh, easy to build on? Exactly. So I, I think it's really looking at what use case a developer has and how far they want to go with it. Because um, as I said about the three tiers of charities, the bottom tier will just be happy to have a link that they can give someone to take a donation. And then you move up. So then they expect on their website, uh, no matter how good or bad it is, just a donation checkout that they can actually get donation through. And then when you look at that biggest size, that's where obviously where it comes to loads of nuances. Um, so in terms of customizability, we like to say that our, our middle one, that will be the donation widget, will allow it to be customizationable enough where you believe the checkout flow that we've defined is good for your charity. Um, and obviously, we have customization in our dashboard of like changing the color, changing the image, uh, changing the logo. Um, all these things can be easily customized, um, even with some CSS. Um, but if you define that you want a completely different donation checkout flow, you want something completely different, something that you know we haven't even thought of, but you know it involves a donation and extra logic that's when you know you're probably going to be running another microservice yourself. Um, so it's extra functionality that you're expecting Everfund to slot into. So that's really where the headless solution will be, is that thing of knowing that the donation widget will tackle 97% of all use cases. But really, when there's a lot of nuances, that's when you will have to go the step further and will want something completely headless, where we're just going to handle taking the payment and making sure everything works. It's up to you, the developer, to make sure it looks correct, it works correct. Um, and that's really where Stripe is today. You know, you, you look at Stripe and Stripe has uh, payment links, you know, through a URL, through their dashboard. They have a redirect to their checkout. And then they obviously have their completely headless API mode um, that most people use. Um, and the thing is, like we were saying to, back to the beginning, why not just use Stripe? Well, Stripe is just the payment. You know, Stripe Checkout is technically a competitor to our donation links. They can be both used to take a donation, but 
if you talk about all the nuances that go around a payment, that's where our tool is specifically arranged for nonprofits. So we talked earlier a bit about, um, you know, you, you're obviously an adopter of a bunch of bleeding edge front end technologies and you, you, know, you have a podcast to, to talk about, you know, those things. So curious from your perspective, like we're, we're just about to cross into 2022. So what are you most excited about um, in the next year in the world of, of front end? Yeah, I think we're going into the most interesting year yet. Um, and it's going to be one of the most decisive years that I think we're going to come across in a while. Um, obviously, I run my own podcast um, with Anthony uh, about this. And we've we've had so many guests on that I've been able to put a really good formulated opinion on this. And I think what we're going to see is the year of abstractions even further to where we currently are. And as you said, um, I've used a lot of bleeding edge technologies. But that's only because the abstractions that they've given me, I've had to risk, you know, risk early, early technology. But the reward has been the amount of um, time and development that we've had on Everfund has been incredible for one developer. Uh, we've been bootstrapped to this point. We haven't had any other developers. The whole system has been built by just me. These bleeding edge technologies have allowed me to move this fast with the with the caveat of you know they can break once in a while or completely require you to refactor them depending on the tool so what do i think we're going to see for 2022 i think we're going to see um a really good paid offering from people like prisma um who are obviously building everybody's orms i think we're going to see planet scale massively increase uh in adoption rates I think we're going to see React become a smaller thing, actually. I think we're going to see Svelte and Vue get more of the limelight in the coming year. Um, and I actually think um, we're going to see Redwood hit 1.0 properly, uh, fully released. Blitz, obviously uh, a companion framework, will hopefully get to 1.0 as well. Um, and hopefully we'll see the release of even more uh, dev tools that we've we've not heard of yet and we know as soon as we see them we want to use them the best one that comes to my mind is snaplet um a tool to allow developers to uh copy their live database uh locally and take out all the redacted information so you're basically working with live data with no personal information all these tools you know they've came about in the last year but we're going to see a mass adoption i think in the next year um and and hence uh jam jamsec uh, as a whole getting even bigger especially with netlify and vercel currently taking their next rounds of funding um and also all the acquisitions vercel has done um in that space i think this space is only going to get hotter um faster and we're going to see a lot of innovation uh in the next 12 months um it's going to get it's going to be explosive i can't wait I'm curious, one thing you said there stuck out to me, which is that you think this year React is, maybe not that React will get less popular, but Vue and Svelte and other um, Vue layer frameworks or Vue libraries, whatever you want to call them, will, will grow in popularity. Like, I'm curious what, um, yeah, what leads you to that conclusion? 
what leads me to that conclusion? Um, so when I built the Everfund SDK, obviously I'm a React kid. I've used React for a long time. I also uh, built a demo in Svelte, in uh, Slinkity, in uh, Vue, and got to use these other languages that everyone keeps talking about. And when I used the Vue version and the Svelte version, obviously these things, we could talk about the nuances of all the different ones uh, for a long time. But the, the time it took to um, simply build what I needed was a lot, lot lower in uh, Svelte and Vue compared to React. And I think when you pair that with um, an ORM layer, an API layer like Redwood is doing, and you allow um, that decoupling of a full API service with the authorization built into it, what SvelteKit is doing, um, and other frameworks that we're seeing pop up all the time, we're going to see this really big gap close where you you say, I can only do everything I need with React because React has you know, good Prisma support, good Stripe support, good everything support. And you're going to see, what about Svelte? And it's going to take off massively in the next year where it's not just going to be that um, website layer. It's going to be that whole front to back. I can build a full startup with this. And I think we're only in the early years still. Um, and Prisma 2, I think, was the big, uh, you could say, the big bang event um, that really set everything off, making it easy. And I think it's going to continue to grow and become easier, e easier and easier to build a full stack application easier uh, and faster. Awesome. Well, Chris, it's been awesome having you on the show and um, it's been great learning about Everfund. We will put links to Everfund in the episode description for anyone out there. We'll also put a link to FS Jam in case anyone wants to check out your podcast. But yeah, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me on. Um, I really enjoyed uh, being on the crossover episode as well. Um, this is actually the first podcast I've ever done that's not my own podcast. Oh, so wow. <laughs> you can you can have um, that accolade. It's like I've done what sixty episodes of my own podcast. I've never been on anyone else's podcast. So there you go. Um, yeah, it's kind of crazy. To think about it like that. Yeah. Well, this is your second episode. We we we'd welcome you back for future episodes. So hopefully we have a chance to speak again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter, or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's Brian at Log Rocket.